and welcome to Pandemic Mama, the podcast that brings you honest conversations about having a baby during COVID-19 times. I'm Irina Gonzalez, a journalist, new mom, and your host. This is episode 26, and today I'm talking with a very special guest. His name is Adam. He is an engineer, an amateur podcast editor, a new dad, and my husband. That's right. I finally convinced him to come on Pandemic Mama after editing all of these episodes so that we can hear from his perspective about what it was like to become a pandemic papa. So Adam and I talk about the stresses he felt in the last weeks of pregnancy, which weren't just about the pandemic, what happened during the birth from his perspective, and basically how the last year has been with our baby Rio. Plus, all of the decision fatigue and how we've conquered baby sleep issues, sort of. But you'll definitely want to hear this one since there's a few surprises that even I didn't know. So stay tuned after the break. But first, if you want to connect with fellow parents going through the craziness of having a baby in 2020 and 2021, please join the Pandemic Mama Podcast Facebook group by searching for Pandemic Mama Podcast or heading to facebook.com slash groups slash Pandemic Mama Pod. Thank you. So I'm here with Adam. He is an engineer, an amateur podcast editor, a new dad, and my husband. That's right. I have been waiting to do this episode since pretty much the beginning. I'm really excited to have him on because I would love for you guys to hear his perspective. And to be honest, I feel like I'm going to learn a few things too. So hi, Adam. Welcome to Pandemic Mama. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah. I know you're busy. Oh, so busy. (laughs) As you well know, Mr. Podcast Editor. That's right. So, well, since you're here, I want to start you off on the question that I start with everyone, which is where were you during the March 11th uh, announcement that, that the pandemic has started? So where were you in your parenting journey? Probably the same spot you were at, probably with you. I really don't remember it. It wasn't like September 11th where I remember exactly where I was, but mm-hmm. I was... Probably working. So how do you uh, remember finding out about the announcement? And do you remember the conversations we had beforehand about the pandemic? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I I just remember, um, I mean, the, the, the few months before Rio came were some of the most stressful I've ever experienced in my entire life. Probably the, the worst. But I remember getting stressed out about work because they... They were kind of slow to respond to things. I, I remember going to HR asking if I could just work from home because if you know I got sick for any reason, the hospital wouldn't let me in. I remember, yeah, so I remember going to HR, um, and they said, "Now nah, we're not going to do that because we're not letting people stay home for that reason. We have to be consistent." So I just kept going to work, uh, very bitter, <laughs> but. uh Luckily, I didn't get sick, and I was able to be there. You were, as uh, people hopefully heard in episode one. Um, but let's backtrack a little bit. So tell me about the stress you were experiencing, you know, before the pandemic that was, you know, related to, I'm assuming, becoming a new dad. What was that like? What was stressing you out? Yeah, it was just the unknown. I didn't know what I was in for. I could listen to all the podcasts or read all the books I want, but I feel most comfortable Having experienced it myself firsthand, like outside perspectives aren't terribly helpful for me, especially mm-hmm. if I'm not used to it. I think that still kind of applies, but there was some excitement, of course. Like, I, I was curious what he'd look like. 
because we saw those cheeks on the ultrasound. <laughs> we did, yeah. That was um, that was the thirty-six week ultrasound, which was like days before the pandemic announcement. By the way, that was thirty-six weeks. I thought it was mm-hmm. sooner than that. No, but I guess we no. only had the one at twenty weeks, and then mm-hmm. yeah, thirty-six. Huh. Yeah, well, we had one at twenty-eight weeks when I was in the hospital because he wasn't moving. But right, yeah. Well, they okay. They did an ultrasound then. It wasn't just like a easy mm-hmm. years. Okay. No, no. Do you remember we were like wheeled off into like the hospital? Area? Oh yeah, yeah. We befriended that uh, Eastern European guy, and mm-hmm. we're talking about traveling. I think. Yeah, and like living in Florida, and, and why he came down here. I think he lived in Chicago. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that was um the beginning of the year at twenty eight weeks when we ended up in the hospital because Rio wasn't moving, and then the next ultrasound was thirty six weeks, and uh... yeah, we saw the cheeks, <laughs> so that was exciting. Um, we didn't know how good the cheeks would be until later, but <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I think looking back, I I think I was more terrified of <laughs> toddlers because I didn't I didn't know what kind of baby he would be. I didn't know if he would be calm like us or. Well, calm like me. <laughs> but I remember when I worked for that architect years and years ago, he had three kids. They were all pretty close in age, and they were occasionally a nightmare. And it sort of soured my uh, view on kids. It's like I, I would help them out with like home stuff sometimes. Like I was, <laughs> I remember like painting his picket fence white one day. And. <laughs> One of his his middle kid would just bug the shit out of me, and I couldn't like I didn't know what to do. <laughs> like it, no, he wouldn't respond to me saying "stop doing that" or whatever. So that that sort of colored my experience with toddlers, I think, because mm-hmm. I probably didn't have a lot of experience outside of that. I didn't know people with kids, except for our friends here in Florida who have three of them. Yeah, but we only experience them in short bursts, mm-hmm. and they're good parents so they're usually well behaved that's true do you remember holding their youngest lily when she was a baby no i remember holding (laughs) (laughs) i remember holding nate's no did i hold nate's kid i can't remember no you you didn't that's right nate's kid yeah i remember that picture Mm -hmm. and then we have taking the picture yeah and then we had a picture of you holding lily when she was like all bundled up in a little swaddle and stuff I just remember hitting her in the face with a ball. <laughs> yeah. By accident. Yes, of course. <laughs> so needless to say, your experience with babies is pretty limited. And yeah, then, it was pretty um, limited. So that made you nervous. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what to expect. I, I, I didn't want to assume much. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the worst part was knowing how much sleep I was going to lose. Mm. And probably in hindsight, it wasn't that bad, but I just have high sleep requirements i think mm-hmm. compared to the average person and like if i'm a minute below eight hours i'm a zombie i can confirm this <laughs> yes yeah no it's it's definitely true I, I remember you being very stressed out and um do you remember how you dealt with that stress yes i avoided thinking about it <laughs> and it doesn't work <laughs> it feels good in the moment um but yeah it sucks because i don't know what to do when I actually have to confront it. Yeah. Do you remember um, if the classes helped? So just for context for the podcast. So we had our baby shower in January and around that time, we also took 
all of the like birthing classes that we could at our hospital, which included um, a Lamaze class, it included a, a breastfeeding class, a, like a basic baby care class. And, um, and then you took the dad's class, which was actually kind of all those classes in one, right? Right. Yeah, there was really nothing new from the dad's class, I remember, because mm-hmm. it was just a sort of rehash of everything that we had learned in the other classes. And it was taught by one of the female nurses, and it would have been nice to have sort of a a dad's perspective, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure how much that would have helped. Cause I, like I said, I still prefer firsthand experience and I learned a new word today. Uh, aphantasia. It's when you have difficulty picturing things like in your mind's eye. And I wonder if, I wonder if that's kind of an issue because we had those, <laughs> we had those baby dolls in the class and, and I like, I couldn't picture me doing that to, another human being like a, a child and let alone my child. I, <laughs> so th- there was just sort of the unknown that was uh, terrifying. And then I just, I don't think I could visualize it very well. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard for a lot of people because something that I've definitely learned now is that you really just don't know what it's going to be like until you're in it. And I think that's true probably true for a lot of things, right? But it's really especially true with parenting. Um, Something that's come up in in a lot of these podcast conversations is just that, you know, at least as a mom, I don't know, I don't know if you feel this way as a dad too, but as a mom, you just like don't know how the like emotional weight is really going to hit you and like the care and mental load and all of like the good and the bad that comes with having a baby and how just like plain overwhelming it really is um you know even though i you know i as a mom heard that from many of my friends that have kids but you really just can't picture what that's going to be like until you have a kid did you feel that way at all yeah and there was probably a lot of societal pressure not just as fathers but as you know as men we're supposed to have all the answers and never appear like we're like we don't know what we're doing but i didn't I just, I had no idea how it was going to be. Like I could learn all the basics and all the tasks that you had to do. Like this is how you change a diaper and this is how you feed him. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I just had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I would prefer to just be in it and then diagnosing problems that way and sort of figuring it out. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see that in you. You that's what makes you a good engineer, I think, and good at your job is that you are a very hands-on person. Um, you know, to be honest, my experience of you becoming a dad is that you were totally relaxed and on top of everything, like when it actually was happening. Did you feel that way? Like No. Never <laughs> felt that way. I never feel that way. <laughs> really? It's, everything's so loud inside. It's 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 just anxiety just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I don't know how, <laughs> how that doesn't come across. I guess just not. decades of practice. <laughs> well, I mean, I remember, um, you know, speaking of those like weird baby dolls and you changed their diaper or whatever, like, you know, I feel, I feel like you learned, even though you say you didn't really learn in those classes, like I see you doing the things that they taught us in those classes, you know? And I remember you, you know, when I was like trying to figure out breastfeeding and stuff, I remember you like mentioning things that we learned in the class. So you did absorb stuff, even if like, it doesn't feel like you did, you know? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I would, I didn't learn anything. It's just, 
it was just kind of frustrating that I I just couldn't put that into practice immediately. Yeah, yeah. Do you think we made a mistake in taking those classes so early? For context, you know, we were like the least pregnant people in those classes every time. And that was all my fault. I mean, I signed us up when we were like at the very end of the second trimester and beginning of the third trimester. And, and most people in there were like mid to late third trimester. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that was a detriment. We still had all the notes um, mm-hmm. and things, so we could always refer to them, but yeah. I'm not sure I did that much. Uh, I did. Um, and I will say I probably would have really regretted waiting because, you know, once once the pandemic hit when we were 36 weeks pregnant, like we couldn't have done any of that. So it's kind That's of true. good that we were ahead. Yeah. So. So, all right, so let's backtrack a little bit because we haven't talked about the birth. And, uh, you know, for those that heard the first episode, they might remember me saying that, um, you know, I went into labor around like right after dinner on on a Sunday night and, you know, my contraction started and they, they kind of just felt like gas in the beginning. And then probably like an hour in, I remember mentioning to you like, oh, these might actually be contractions. And I started tracking them and stuff. And then, you know, at some point, I think you went to bed at like, 9.30 and I joined you at like 10.30 and you know I just remember waking up at 1.30 still with contractions and just you know basically left you to sleep knowing that you know who knows how much sleep we'd be getting after this and I just like went to the living room and started you know started tracking and, and doing my thing and then I woke you up at six as if you were going to work and uh, do you remember that moment? A little bit I was I had just woken up I was a little <laughs> groggy but uh-huh. uh, I was definitely in denial <laughs> oh like, yeah yeah uh, there's no way no because I, di- I didn't think anything of it when i went to bed because mm-hmm. i when you when you told me like oh i think we or i don't i can't remember exactly what you said but I, i'm pretty uh, sure i said like you're not going to work today <laughs> good morning <laughs> yeah i didn't believe you i was like nah i'll just go to work normally and we'll see how it goes th- throughout the day <laughs> but then it, it was sort of <laughs> we became quickly aware that that was not the case Mm -hmm. I remember you sitting on the ball and the profanity started. (laughs) It was, it was a, it was a lot of profanity. Yes. I did not. Very short amount of time. No, no. And then, yeah, we, you called the doula and then the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I think they both said, get to the hospital. (laughs) Yeah. It was nice that (laughs) you waited till I had a full night of sleep. So that was, that was good. (laughs) You're um, welcome. Thank you. I remember, yeah, and then we got to the hospital. The drive down was pretty rough because you were having contractions like every three, four minutes. Oh, they were like almost two minutes at that point. It was like every two, three, sometimes four minutes. But they were yeah, really the contractions progressed pretty quickly in the beginning. Yeah. Well, no, that and, was, well, I guess that was like, that was actually almost 12 hours. No, that was 12 hours into the labor. Because it started at like 7.30 at night. And by the time we got yeah. to the hospital, it was like 10. 10 a.m. the next day, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you got the triage and what we spent months deciding to do with the epidural quickly went out the window. <laughs> what did we decide? Can you tell people? Yeah. We, <laughs> uh, you definitely got wanted the epidural. We spent months and months talking about how you didn't want it. Mm-hmm. You wanted not a lot of intervention. You didn't want continuous monitoring you want didn't want an epidural and by then we didn't give a shit we just <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted both yeah then i don't know they kind of did their thing and we didn't really contradict them yeah we didn't really care by that point i think no 
Probably partly because we didn't have the doula, she would have advocated for us a lot more. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, d- I was certainly in no position to do so. I don't know what what's going on, <laughs> but it all worked out. Yeah, once you got the epidural in, you uh, yeah, you calmed down pretty quick. The pain went away pretty much right away, and started watching Jurassic World, and then you got sleepy. <laughs> that's right. What about you? How were you feeling during this time? Terrified. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, I knew it was inevitable. <laughs> yeah, the baby's got to come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't just stop having contractions. I don't think. But yeah, it was terrifying. I still, I was still in that weird haze of I, 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 I can't possibly picture you birthing a human being. <laughs> As usual, I just tried to distract myself. So Jurassic World helped. And um, you were, and you were texting with a doula then too. Yeah, I was texting with her. I remember telling her. <laughs> I remember telling her, I I can't envision a scenario where I don't pass out. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I was so convinced it was going to happen. Like, cause, What'd she say? Well, because well, in, in seventh grade science fair, I passed out. Oh. Because I had, uh, uh, my knees were locked for standing too long. Oh, okay. So I thought that was going to happen. I would just blank out while my knees were locked and then just pass out because like when i whenever i would watch people give birth seeing everyone like so happy and elated was it would always kind of get me choked up and i figured i would just lose it and then be embarrassed which i can't handle any sort of embarrassment and or i would just pass out Mm. and then at that point it didn't matter if i was embarrassed (laughs) Um, but they said it's really rare the doula told me to put a chair (laughs) next to me just in case Mm -hmm. and i didn't need it so I feel I feel like the birth went quickly because it did objectively and so many things were happening and I was trying to keep tabs on all of it. Like this nurse is over here doing this thing and your doctor came in and what is she going to do? And she gets this enormous cart full of stuff out and starts shining a bunch of lights down there. And, and then we started some practice pushes and then next thing I know, I'm holding your, your leg. <laughs> the nurse is holding the other leg. You push a couple more times and he's out. And then we got the first look at him and he was gross. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got the first look, really. I, I can't yeah. look down that far. No. But yeah, he was, um, I remember him crying uh, as babies do when they come out first, most mm-hmm. of the time. Uh, but it was so quiet. Like his poor little lungs uh, probably had some fluid in it. Aww. And he's just not used to actually using his lungs. So it was really. It was a really subdued cry. Oh, I don't remember the first cry, actually. I was just thinking about that the other day. Like, I don't remember those first moments. I was so like... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you were in your own sort of haze. <laughs> but I, I think the doctor used the little turkey baster that mm. sucks out the liquid and whatever mm-hmm. in his sinus cavities and his mouth and nose. and So she was doing that pretty quickly. And then when she was done with that, um, I think they put her put him on your chest. Mm-hmm. I don't know it was, it was it was difficult to sort of pin down what was what I was feeling or what was going on. I was happy and and stuff, of course, but the the, the terror didn't subside as quickly as I wanted it to. <laughs> and I remember being scared to hold him for the first probably twenty four hours. Oh yeah. And I remember one of the nurses just handing him to me like, here. I don't know. I don't remember if I took him or not 
You did. <laughs> okay. I remember that distinctly because I remember starting to get like annoyed that you weren't taking him. Like when I suggested you hold him, you were like, no, I'm so too scared. And then it was actually perfect because you didn't have time to think. Like she just like handed him to you and you just had to like hold him. Like you, you literally had no choice. I remember. And then afterward, I remember you were like, oh, that's probably the best way that was going to happen. <laughs> Cause you definitely weren't listening to me. No, certainly not. <laughs> No, yeah, that that's probably, I wonder how much of that was intentional on her part, because hmm. they probably get a lot of dads who are kind of a little trepidatious in the beginning. Yeah. But it's, but it's funny thinking back now, because now I'll just grab them with whatever limb I can find and swing them around like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then they did the Apgar score, and I think he was a nine, eight or nine. I think it was a nine. Yeah, I think they said he was like a 9.8 or something. Like, he's good. Yeah, he was good. They they kept him on your chest for a while. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an hour. I don't. I don't think it was a little less than that because they wanted to weigh him. Yeah, yeah. I think we after the. I remember after like about half an hour, we were like, okay, you can weigh him and stuff because we were like curious also about the stats. The stats. <laughs> Do you remember them? Yes, twenty-one and a half inches. Twenty. Twenty and a half. Damn it. Yep. And then it was a seven thirteen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I had to remember for a second too. Yeah, and then what time was he born? Do you remember? Six twenty six. Mm-hmm. Yep. PM. So it was yep. good that it happened like in a normal, a normal like work day. Mm. Like we didn't go into the hospital at nine o'clock at night and have to be up. That's true. Because I remember like feeling pretty good. In the hospital before he during that day, mm-hmm. but I also remember thinking, "Well, this is as good as you're going to feel for the next couple of years, <laughs> sleep wise." Right. But it really hasn't been that terrible, honestly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they took him, weighed him, um, they did a bunch of tests, hearing, blood. Yeah, the lactation consultants came in and they were trying to. Um, you were working on breastfeeding for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I think that was. Was that that same day? That I don't remember. Yeah. I remember, yeah, because they don't tend to eat a lot the first 24 hours. Yeah. If I recall. But, oh, yeah, they were they were there pretty early. I remember the mm-hmm. two the two nurses were trying to help out. Feels like it was taking a while. Yeah. But then, yeah, we spent that night in the hospital, obviously. I was sleeping on a very loud cot. It was very irritating because I didn't want to wake the kid up. But we kind of had to, so. Yeah. You know, the thing I remember, besides everything that you just said, is just like, I mean, I remember us, fe- well, at least I did, I remember feeling surreal, like, you know, when, when he was placed mm-hmm. on my chest and everything. And then I remember, you know, we were, so this was March 30th, which means we were just a few weeks into the pandemic. And, you know, as you mentioned, like beforehand, we were both pretty terrified and, and hoping you weren't going to get sick at work, which thankfully didn't happen. But, um, you know, nobody was wearing masks yet. And it's funny to think about that looking back because, you know, we didn't have the mask protocol yet. So unless you were hospital staff, you weren't wearing masks. So I remember we didn't wear masks and, but all of our hospital staff did. And do you remember, like, I think you mentioned at the end of our stay that you were like, I don't know who anybody is because it was so hard to tell people apart since everybody was yeah. like, super messed up. Yeah, we didn't, I didn't know anybody's face. And that still blows my mind that we didn't, we weren't wearing masks. Mm-hmm. 
Like it had been declared a pandemic two weeks earlier. Yeah. I was going to the cafeteria getting food. Oh, God. Gross. Yeah. I can't imagine doing that right now. Yeah. From like the buffet, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There are people walking around. I don't know. I can't remember if I was the only one without a mask. I mean, I do that now. I'm afraid people will make value judgments against me. But now it's the opposite. Now you're the one of the few people at work who wears a mask most consistently. Yeah, well, most people do. Okay. I mean, everyone has to, and usually everyone's pretty good about it. So yeah, we didn't know anyone's anyone's face. So if we go back now, we probably won't <laughs> recognize anyone. Mm. I only know your doctor's face because we had been seeing her at the appointments. Well, yeah. Although I didn't recognize her in a mask. Oh, uh, she had a. I guess I think she had different scrubs on. She, oh, that's right. That's right. I remember she had some kind of extra shield, too. Yeah, that's right. I think she had, like, the sort of typical face shields you see now. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I'd love to hear, you know, your impressions of, like, those first few months. Like, how were you feeling? How were you handling it? Um, you know, you had, a, you had a month off, so what happened? That was, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed that first month. Not just because I wasn't working. I definitely got more confident in my parenting abilities pretty quickly. I remember the first diaper we changed when we got home. Because we, <laughs> we probably had to change his outfit. Or it may have been like when we first got home and just changed his outfit. Mm-hmm. But we were we were both doing it. We were both standing there. <laughs> and we were like so gentle with his arms. We didn't want to. I felt like we were just going to break him. And that <laughs> that went away probably a couple hours later. <laughs> There's just the low confidence and unfamiliarity you have doing that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and again, just now we're tossing him around. He's trying to turn around and stand up on the changing table and we grab him and flip him over. Like it's <laughs> nothing. We yank his legs and arms through the, through the sleeves. And it's just funny how it progresses. Uh, but it was good. I remember we kind of got into our routine. I'd get up early and watch him until you slept in forever. But you took him overnight, right? Which would have destroyed me. So, <laughs> yeah, we got a we had a good thing going, I think. And I have fond memories of our just kind of like the lunches we ate together and watching Doc Martin <laughs> for pretty much that whole month. Yeah. <laughs> because he would just sleep a lot. Mm-hmm. And we would just be hanging out, trying yeah, to figure stuff out. Yeah, I mean, he was napping a lot. Usually on top of me after breastfeeding, but sometimes on top of you too. Yeah, we have a lot of fun pictures. But um, sure it was do. a good month. It also was. Um, I don't know if you felt this way, but I kind of almost preferred. I mean, you know, outside it felt like outside there was all this chaos with the pandemic. I mean, this was April, so. There was so much news and craziness. And we were just in our little, like, safe little cocoon. You know, we weren't really seeing anyone. I mean, we did allow my parents to come um, a few times, but very, very little. Um, but it was really, like, just the three of us and, like, our, our pets. Um, I loved it. Yeah, that's true. Outside was pretty chaotic. Work things were, like, they were, during that month, they were kind of letting us work from home half the time. But... Yeah, it was weirdly calm compared to the outside world, mm-hmm. just with the chaotic nature of the pandemic and Trump, and it was a nice escape for that for a month. 
Yeah. Well, and like the primaries were going on then too, right? God, yeah. Yeah, because I actually just saw, we're recording this on St. Patrick's Day, and I remember seeing a picture today on Facebook about how I voted in the Florida primary like today, this time last year. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. In person, without a mask, which is also funny to think about. But yeah, that first month was nice. I mean, yeah, it was. Looking back, I, I do feel sad that like you know almost none of our friends got to meet Rio when he was tiny. Actually, nobody got to meet Rio when he was tiny. And even now, most of our friends haven't met him. But it was also a nice, chill month. And having you home was really nice, especially for my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really liked it too. Yeah. So like, I remember. What do you remember in the summer? Because I feel like, you know, your dad. So that was that was cool. Your dad came for Mother's Day, um, and we did a little outdoor celebration at my parents' house. So he got to meet Rio for the first time. Yeah, I don't know if I remember much of the summer. It was just kind of like a haze of parenting and sort of decision fatigue. Because I remember, I think it was in July. There was a big, uh, like, the second wave. Mm-hmm. Especially in Florida, I think that's when the numbers were going. Yeah, up. the the numbers of Florida in particular were pretty rough. So yeah, there was a lot of. I feel like the pandemic was really uh, a, a, just the forefront of everything. Just mm-hmm. trying to decide if this was a good idea or if that was a good idea, or it was really irritating. And just anyone who wanted to come see him, which wasn't, I guess, a lot of people, but it was nice having my dad see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was fun taking that picture of the three generations of boys from our family me my dad and my my son Aww. so that was that was pretty fun yeah it was also nice that he didn't scream or cry at the sight of another human being <laughs> which he still hasn't done somehow i mean we joke it's because he's a little extrovert in the making yeah yeah but yeah that's that's probably true yeah he just he's, seems pretty relaxed around other people yeah he he so rarely seems stressed Especially mm-hmm. around other people. He's just fascinated by all the new stuff. I mean, that he probably gets from you. Could be. I do. I do. That's one of the things I like most about him is just his apparent curiosity about everything. Like you pick him up and when you start walking around, he'll he'll stop whatever he's doing and just look. He'll look around and he, he's just so curious. I hope that continues. Yeah. How do you think you've, you've changed in the past year? I remember several times thinking back on my like life before having a kid and i remember thinking back then like oh parenting what a drag you can't do anything except care for the kid uh you can't do anything you want to do everything's a chore and a hassle Mm -hmm. but i don't think that any i don't think that now it's it's really not that bad (laughs) when it's bad like it's not a big deal Hmm. Uh, what do you mean by that? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like oh, this kid ruined my life, or this kid just took away all my free time. That thought really never crosses my mind. I mean, obviously, I get annoyed at him sometimes, and overall, he's he's a really good kid. <laughs> so I'm really happy about that. Tell me a little bit about when you're annoyed at him. I'm curious. I think it's. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think it's different for everybody, right? I mean, for me. I think lately I'm just like, I go between being overwhelmed and like bored really easily. So like, you know, it feels like when I come home, for instance, um, 
after like working, I'm like really tired and I just like want to rest. And it's really overwhelming because he just wants to play. Yeah, I get all those. The times I get most frustrated with him are just when he won't go to sleep. So whenever he's trying to go to sleep or whenever I want him to go to sleep Mm. and he's just trying to like crawl on top of my head or scratch my face in the dark or whatever, it just becomes really irritating. Because usually by the time it's his bedtime, it's pretty much my bedtime because I feel <laughs> tired all the time. But And yeah, there's the boredom. The boredom's a, a thing I really didn't anticipate because I thought I would just be constantly busy. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that'll be more in the toddler years, which I'm still dreading. But like now he's, he's still so independent. Mm-hmm. He'll just play in our toy minefield and I hope keep himself entertained for as long as he wants. He never really comes up to you and really begs for your attention. He'll come by and like stand up on your legs and stuff, but he's never like whining and wanting just to be held. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like he never went through that separation anxiety phase. No. Yeah. I remember him. I remember everyone saying it was supposed to be around six months. He would, you know, stranger danger, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But he, he, he doesn't mind anyone else. Yeah which is promising for daycare, but yeah, I just get bored a lot because playing with him doesn't make him more excited. Mm-hmm. So I probably use that as, as an excuse to just let him play on his own. And mm. Yeah. I mean, it's what happens with, for me, like in those moments is that you're both busy and bored, right? Because you have to watch him. Like you, you have to make sure he's, he's doing okay. And he's not, you know, as he's playing, he's not going to go do something that's going to hurt him self so you're constantly on him you know you can't be doing your own thing but then you know watching another human really like watching another human do anything for a long period of time is kind of boring right like it is you write your computer typing you know i wouldn't enjoy watching you for hours just doing that it's it's just like a constant mental load Mm -hmm. thinking about him and making sure he's not pulling cords out of the wall his favorite thing yeah like the physical part is pretty easy, but it's just kind of the mental, it's just constant. Mm-hmm. The worrying? I don't know if it's worry. It's just like, I know I need to pay attention mm-hmm. and there's never that, that little bit of, I don't know, relief. It only exists when he's either sleeping or that I know you're watching him. Right. Well, same for me. Do you think yeah. that, do you think any of this would have been different if it wasn't for the pandemic? I mean, would we have been less, I don't know, stressed, I guess. Cause there is, like you said, that extra, you know, anxiety about what did you call it? The uh, decision fatigue. Like, that's been a huge weight. Yeah. That's been rough, but I mean, we're both prone to anxiety, so I don't know how much better it would have been. It probably would have just been different anxiety. Cause if the pandemic didn't happen, then we'd be worried about, uh, how he interacts with strangers or how he mm. handles himself in a restaurant or stuff like that. Yeah. So we don't, well, I got, we probably don't have the typical parenting worries from the first year. <laughs> we just have this really irritating, Oh, is, is it safe to have this person come by? Mm-hmm. Probably not because they don't wear masks or they go to antique fairs in the middle of Florida. <laughs> That's my mother, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, um, the safety concern, I think, is just a lot different. 
this year. But we probably, you're probably right that we would have just been worried about something else. And of course, now we get the added bonus of worrying about all that other stuff as things reopen. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll become slightly more quote normal mm-hmm. with our parenting worries because we'll have the standard ones. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, th- I think there is the added layer still of the pandemic of like, not just how is my baby going to do in a restaurant, but also like, how's my baby going to do in a restaurant considering that he spent, you know, the first year of his life never going outside. So like, yeah, you know, I, I think that's a concern for a lot of parents that like, we don't know how our babies are going to react because they're not used to anything that we would usually do. Right. Like they're not used to the quote unquote normal life that we all hope to get back to, you know, by the end of this year or something. Yeah. And it, it's probably better for lack of a better word that it happened during his first year. Cause he's not going to remember any of this. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel for the parents who had probably th- three, four five year olds who are just, sort of becoming conscious and aware of the world around them. And then they have an entire year of this sort of existence Mm -hmm. and this sort of existence sucks Yeah, for the most part, because there's so much cool shit to do out there. You can't (laughs) do any of it or you shouldn't do any of it. Yeah. Certainly doesn't stop a lot of people in Florida. Well, this is all coming from an introvert, by the way, who, it's yeah. not like leave the house all that much, but yet you're missing the outside world, huh? Uh, well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> That's sarcasm, everybody. It'd be. I just. Yeah, no. I think. I think as parents, it's worrying is endemic. It's been a different type of worry for us. Mm-hmm. You know, I like. I remember. Um, I didn't. I didn't really fall in love with Rio so early. It took a while. I can't remember how long, but. I remember months in just feeling that overwhelming attachment and love for the kid. That's something else I never could picture. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear every every parent say that, of course, but I probably just didn't have that experience, so I couldn't picture it myself mm-hmm. or imagine it. Um, so I, I, I guess I understand the worry stuff a lot more. You know, I, I remember it was for me kind of the same thing. I don't remember at one point I really like felt love for him, but I definitely remember it wasn't in the first month. Like the first month for me, even though it was it was fun, it was also very stressful with like, well, you know, I had some breastfeeding issues and, you know, the la- the less sleep and just figuring everything out. Like I remember just being really stressed a lot. Like now I look back at it pretty fondly. Um, but at the same time, I remember it was just like, you know, I, I just was always doing something or thinking about something. And it wasn't until probably the second month that I really, like like you said, felt love for him. And, and, and with that comes, you know, more concern about his well-being and livelihood. And I, I definitely remember moments where, you know, I as an extrovert wanted to be able to try to you know, go out into the world a little bit more. And you actually put a, put a pause on that because you were, you know, I think the more rational of of the two of us in terms of like making sure we're staying safe and, and all that, um, especially, you know, for Rio and, and staying away from people, which was, you know, 
even though I knew and still know that it's the right thing to do, it, it's really, really hard for me, especially a year into this. Yeah, it, it really wasn't a ter- like a big issue for us, I don't think, because there weren't there weren't too many times where you were like, "Well, we gotta go do this thing," mm-hmm. and uh, and and then me in the background saying, "No, that's a not a good idea." Mm-hmm. I think we were on the same page for a lot of the pandemic, thankfully. Yeah. It, just the worst part was the decision fatigue. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the you versus me decision making or anything like that. I I feel like we were pretty good about that. Mm-hmm. I could definitely tell when you were getting real cabin fevery and <laughs> can you to get the <sighs> yes. And being the introvert, I definitely didn't understand it. But I uh, I guess I could because being a new parent, I didn't get a lot of alone time. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a lot of that's probably just the analog there. Mm. So speaking of decision fatigue, I haven't really talked about it much on the podcast yet, but I am starting a new role at my company and and going full time at my job, which I'm very excited for. Uh, But with that came our decision to put Rio in daycare. And, you know, I feel like I've processed a lot of it and I probably um, pushed you a little bit in the decision. So I'd love to hear from you how like your perspective on how we came to this decision because it is it is a really really tough one and it's a new chapter for our family you know Rio's turning one in a couple weeks and you know next week he's starting a part-time daycare and then going full-time you know and um and yeah and I remember you really actually wanted to try doing a nanny and I basically convinced you not to you did and it makes sense from a money perspective But it also makes sense from a social perspective, because luckily COVID doesn't seem to affect children as a whole. It doesn't affect them poorly. Mm -hmm. And he's had so little social interaction this past year. I think uh, the daycare will be nice. Meeting new people, meeting kids will be good for him. Actually, seeing other small humans will be good for him because he hasn't (laughs) seen many of them. No, I think only two, really. And that and that was all in the past month. Yeah, geez. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those went well, except for the grabbing of the hair. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think daycare will be good. She'll, I mean, she's essentially going to be teaching him stuff. It'll just kind of reinforce, hopefully, what we've been teaching him. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll, he'll get to do crafts. We're not crafty people. Really. So that'll be a, that'll be fun for him, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, everyone will like his cheeks. <laughs> I mean, we don't call him Mister Cheeks for nothing. That's true. They'll be fools if they think otherwise. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think the socializing will be really good for him. It was still a tough decision for us, though. I think for you in particular. Yeah, because it. I mean, it's just more paths for exposure, mm-hmm. and having a nanny would be. I don't know, easier because he'll be here. And I don't know if I'm so worried about him being away because I'm away from him all all day during the Mm -hmm. week. So I'm kind of used to that. But I think it'll be a tougher adjustment for you. But you might be so busy with this new role that, I don't know, I think you'll be, I don't know, distracted enough. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than it'll be probably good for him. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully good for us too. I mean, 
you know, like you said, the money obviously is a little cheaper for a daycare versus a nanny. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, for me, emotionally, it'll be a lot easier to enjoy my time with him in the evenings um, when I haven't spent all day, like, you know, kind of secondary watching him. Because right now, you know, my mom takes care of him and she does a good job. But, you know, I'm still in the same house and sometimes helping her a little bit or sometimes you know he's he's coming up to me and like interrupting meetings or something um and even though i i think the thing i'm gonna miss is like you know if i'm not in a meeting and he comes up to me i can you know pick him up and give him a kiss and you know give him back to my mom and i won't be able to do that when he's not physically at home with me but but yeah but i think at the same time i'm hoping that it'll be easier to well i'll just be able to enjoy you know quality time more, which I know is something that we really talk a lot about in our family is quality over quantity. Yeah, the whole absence makes the heart, heart grow fonder mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, I bet the time we do spend with them will be more meaningful, fulfilling. Yeah. Okay. So thinking, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead, um, but I'd love to hear a little bit. You know, we've talked a little bit about the birth and, and just like a little bit about the past year, but I'd love to just hear from you, what do you think has really been the best and worst part of, you know, becoming a dad in a pandemic? Uh, yeah, I imagine it's like that with all parents, but I remember almost instantly upon becoming a dad wanting to sh- share photos of him. I never thought I would have that strong of a desire. <laughs> so there's probably a part of me that wanted to just sort of share him with people Mm-hmm. that we didn't get to do. We certainly didn't get to do it as much as I was expecting to. So is that the worst part? Uh, the worst part was the spitting up. <laughs> uh, God, I don't know. I don't know why. That was just, that was awful. Well, that's not pandemic specific. I know, I know. I tried to think of something pandemic specific, but all I could think about was just how awful spitting up was. <laughs> but around nine months, he just stopped and it was wonderful (laughs) another weird but cool thing that i enjoyed was (laughs) i would always put on i always put on his pjs at night Mm -hmm. and at some point he learned to punch his arm through the sleeves on his own (laughs) and that's such a huge quality of life improvement it's it's crazy (laughs) because it took forever just to get those damn sleeves around his arms now he just yeah. punches straight through and it's it's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean those tiny fingers are so hard to get through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what about in the next year? What are you looking forward to or what do you think is um what do you think is gonna be exciting and what are you dreading since you have mentioned a few times that you're dreading the toddler years? <laughs> no. The I'm looking forward to him walking. Oh. I'm also terrified of him walking. um i'm I'm looking forward to the more complex babbling because i remember when our friend's kid lily was doing that it was super cute and i don't usually find other babies cute (laughs) (laughs) but i'm looking forward to that his vocabulary is still pretty primitive but it's getting a little more complicated more complex different syllables Mm -hmm. i'm just excited to see how he'll explore the world from a different vantage point. Mm-hmm. 
because he's been crawling for a while now and he doesn't seem terribly interested in walking yet but i've heard from a another dad new newish dad at work that once he starts walking the talking comes along with it pretty mm. quickly mm. yeah that sounds fun so then what are you terrified about i'm terrified of him being so mobile and me not being as attentive as I could be in one moment and him and like a bookcase falling down on him or I don't know, some, something like he would really hurt himself. Mm-hmm. Not just like, Oh, I fell over and scraped my arm, but something more serious. Yeah. Well, this is the, you know, you joke about how all moms are like afraid of a baby, you know, cracking his head open, but that's, <laughs> that's exactly, it's the fear. That's exactly what you just said. Yeah. You just didn't say that specific phrase, but yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, of course I don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just that um, protective instinct, which I have to say, like you, you develop pretty freaking fast. Yeah. And it's still, it's still strange to me. Cause I, again, never imagined I would, <laughs> it would be a, like, oh, that's not going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought that. It's just, like I said, I, cu- I couldn't picture it. I couldn't feel that ahead of time. And But it's been, it's been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I do have, uh, well, I'll have one final question. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you if you had any advice for fellow pandemic dads, and especially those who are, you know, either recently became a dad or becoming dads now. I guess the pandemic's a little lighter, but um, but yeah, any uh, words of wisdom from one dad to another? I mean, pretty much what everyone else has been saying, that the pandemic, while really shitty, has afforded a lot of new parents more time to bond with their kids, even though they don't get to do a lot of the typical things new parents get to do. But that, that time's been pretty special, and... Just just seeing his development has been super fascinating. Like I remember using those black and white cards mm-hmm. and how he's like at, you know, a few weeks old, he was slowly following them around with his eyes and <laughs> how it's just become more complex lately and, and how in just, just a year he's gotten so much more mobile and so much more curious and it's just super interesting to see how he's been progressing. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's something that has been fun for me. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of dads and moms can look forward to um, those moments. So my last question for everybody is what is keeping you sane these days? And, you know, that can be like a self care routine or a person or, you know, a, book or show you're reading, like anything really, but just, um, you know, I think one of the things that I want to talk about on the podcast, as you know, is just the sense of community and, you know, the importance of like self-care and how hard it this past year has been. So um, what is keeping you sane right now? This, I mean, this is true for any time ever for me, but it's just uh, alone time and quiet because <laughs> I can get overwhelmed pretty easily with pretty much any external stimulus that mm-hmm. alone time and, and sort of solitary confinement more or less is very uh, relaxing to me. 
just having time to do some some of my hobbies uh, has been really nice. Our uh, the wired date nights have been really good for me. <laughs> something I can look forward to that is I think good for us as a couple, mm-hmm. but also really fascinating because it's the wire and it's an incredible show. Agree. So I'm curious. Um, I think that a lot of people would be shocked to hear that you get alone time at all in the first year of parenting. So do you want to talk a little bit about how that, how we work that out? Well, luckily he goes down fairly early. Usually he's by eight. Um, so that gives me like at least an hour. I still need a ton of sleep. Mm-hmm. So I'm not staying up until like one or two in the morning or anything, but just finding time when he's asleep has been helpful. And then, my wonderful wife lets me sleep in on Sunday mornings. <laughs> and my wonderful husband lets me sleep in on Saturdays. <laughs> so that's been a, a nice mm-hmm. little routine we've got going. But yeah, just not being tired is super helpful. So mm-hmm. I'd say getting a lot of sleep. I mean, that's just good advice in general, but especially during the old parenting days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, – one of the things I love about us as a couple is that we've always prioritized sleep and, you know, especially after, after we both read the book, which is, uh, why we sleep by Matthew Walker, highly recommend mm-hmm. to everyone. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I do feel sleep has been a really huge part of our self care for both of us and really prioritizing that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, like I really made it a point to make sure that I took nights because, you know, I could handle them a little bit better, whereas you have much more specific sleep needs in the middle of the night, especially. And, you know, but then you would get up earlier in the morning. Um, this is especially in like the early months. And I would sleep a- another few hours. And um, we really, I think, I don't know, I hate to brag, but I feel like we really rocked parenting and, and marriage in that way. And just like letting each other have extra sleep when we could. Like yeah, we nailed it. We did. Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> we should just end the podcast right there. Nailed it. Parenting. Yep. And marriage. Don't forget that one. Too. Oh, yeah. Done. Perfected <laughs> it. All right. Well, not to end it on that note, but um, <laughs> I do want to say thank you for coming on. And um, it was really fun to hear your, uh, your take and your perspective on those early days and uh, how things have been going. Well, thank you for having me. Well, what can I say? I mean, usually at the end of the podcast, I comment on the interview and say a little bit about what I could relate to and what I found interesting. Of course, this is my husband, so I could relate to pretty much everything since, you know, I know a lot of the story and we definitely experienced and have talked about so much of it. But um, I really just loved hearing his perspective about how things went. Um, It was really interesting hearing about the decision fatigue that he has been feeling and remembering the stresses of early parenthood and the days before the pandemic started and and all of that. Um, I hope you really enjoy this episode because I certainly did. There was a lot here that I learned myself. And, you know, we've only had one other dad on this podcast, and it's something that I would like to do more of. So if you are a dad listening, or if you have a husband who would love to chat with the Pandemic Mama podcast, definitely let us know by following us on Instagram at Pandemic Mama Pod and DMing us with some queries. And now, 
As always, remember, you are not alone. Tune in next week for another honest conversation about the challenges and joys of being a pandemic mama or papa. In the meantime, feel free to email me with your pandemic parenting questions at pandemicmamapod at gmail.com. Plus, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pandemicmamapod for more updates. Also, I would really appreciate your ratings and reviews. As a new podcast, this is one of the best ways to get the word out about these stories. So please scroll down in your favorite podcast app, rate us five stars, and share a comment. Thank you. Pandemic Mama is produced and hosted by me, Irene Gonzalez, with art by Chaotic Coco, music by FM underscore free music on SoundCloud, and editing by the best of husbands and best of men, who, of course, you just heard from. I'll talk to you soon. Stay sane and stay safe. All right. We got to get a little more emotional here, baby. (laughs) I don't know how to do that. (laughs) You got the wrong guest on. (laughs) You pause a lot, so you'll have tons to cut out like right now i know and i'm thinking about that too it's like oh shit i gotta cut that out now (laughs) i'm just making more work for myself yeah